Hey there, and welcome to Gen X Talkin' on Being Prepared. This is episode one of our interview series. I'm Matt Marshall, overall preparedness enthusiast, and I'm here to remind us, with preparedness comes comfort, with preparedness comes peace, something we could all use a bit more of. I want to begin today with a list. Listeners, please listen carefully. All dates from 2021. April 25th, Iridell County, North Carolina. 70 degrees, girl, 5 months. June 3rd, Visalia, California, 102 degrees, girl, 3 years. June 9th, Pace, Florida, 86 degrees, boy, 9 months. June 13th, St. Mary's, Ohio, 86 degrees, girl, 1 year. June 14th, New Iberia, Louisiana, 93 degrees, boy, 2 years. June 24th, Gaston County, North Carolina, 81 degrees, girl, two years. June 30th, Spartanburg, South Carolina, 92 degrees, boy, three years. July 16th, Homestead, Florida, 88 degrees, girl, two years. July 16th, Tyler, Texas, 86 degrees, boy, three years. July 21st, American Fork, Utah, 94 degrees, boy, 11 years. We're talking with Kristen Marshall from the Anne Arundel County Department of Health. She's in the Family Services Healthy Start program and serves as a nationally certified parent as teacher educator. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me here. So the first question I have for you is what does a parent educator do? A parent educator is a professional that partners themselves with parents and helps those parents obtain the education, the skills they need in order to raise physically, psychologically, and emotionally healthy children. That's excellent. Now, I'm guessing there's a great need for this type of service out in the public. But today, we're actually here talking about a fairly pressing subject, right? Yes, We're here to talk about something that's very timely and completely preventable. No one ever thinks that it could happen to them, but it can. And what is it? So we're introducing your audience today to a National Safety Council campaign called Look Before You Lock. This is a prevention campaign to keep children from hyperthermia, commonly referred to as heat stroke in um, that they would get primarily from hot vehicles. And everything I discuss here today, um, I'm not a professional that works for National Safety Council, but I did take a seminar with them in order that I may obtain education that I can impart then to the parents I work with. And so these are the facts that I gathered from that um, seminar that I went to. So everything I discuss here today can be found on the NSC campaign website, noheatstroke.org. Or if you need additional information about the National Safety Council, you can visit nsc.org. They also have a free course that you can take on heat stroke if you need it, those CEUs, because you're a caregiver or something like that. Yeah, and... and I actually took a look at the uh, the NSC.org website, and for those preparedness-minded folks out there as well, there's a lot of information on emergency preparedness and other training classes that can also be, uh, be obtained. 
thanks for uh, guiding people to those sites. I'm not much of a medical guy, uh, so some of these words that you speak go right by me. Can you take just a few moments to explain hyperthermia? And I also get confused sometimes between the hypo and hyper. Could you just explain a little bit? Yeah, sure, Matt. I would love to try to straighten that out. Um, It is kind of confusing. They sound very similar. So hyperthermia, it means your body's heat regulation system can't handle the heat in your environment. And then hypothermia is when your body's heat regulation system can't keep up with the cold in your environment. And the interesting thing to note about this is that a child's regulatory heating system, that means the way they internally gather heat and hold it, and it heats up three to five times faster than adults, which is great if it's cold outside, because that's a great surviving technique is that child can heat up fast. But it's not so great if the child were to be in a hot car. And so that's something that we uh, need to keep in mind. The interesting thing about body temperature is they say When you reach a temperature of 104 and higher, that's when your cells start to shut down. And if you reach a internal body temperature of 107, they say that death would be imminent. So that is why we're here talking about kids that get locked into a hot car and how deadly it can be for them. Wow. Now, that's a pretty scary subject, but no mindful parent would ever leave their kid in a vehicle, right? Especially on a hot day. We've all heard the stories. The truth of the matter is, 2018 and 2019, those both were very high years, over 50 deaths each year. And those parents, I'm sure, would give anything to take that day back and have a different outcome. The thing that uh, people need to remember is that 53% of the time, Those parents don't intend for this to happen at all. It was something that distracted them. They forgot. And sadly, we now know from statistics that were gathered that it's about a quarter of the time the children actually gained access to those vehicles without any adult knowing. And it's a variety of temperatures that we have seen this happen in all sorts of regions in the country. The NSC has done experiments and determined that there really is no safe temperature in which you can leave a child alone in a vehicle. And the majority of these days happen between Memorial Day and Labor Day, but they have happened outside of those days. Memorial Day and Labor Day. So that, if you calculated out 50 deaths during that period of time, that could be a death every, what, two or three days, right? Yeah, it's 96 days to 99 days between Memorial Day and Labor Day. So you're correct. It was very alarming in 2018 and 2019 to those who are gathering the statistics. We've been fortunate enough that that has slowed down And we're hoping with this campaign that we can keep those numbers down. Yeah, excellent. Is there a more common age? I mean, the the numbers we were listing earlier, it seemed to range, but is there a more common range in which the deaths occur? If listeners were listening carefully at the beginning of the show, I'm sure they heard 
that there was an 11-year-old and also just a few months old. So there's a broad range of ages, ages there that this can happen in. I think um, you need to keep in mind that even though they say 26 months is the average age that this happens to, I would think that's mainly because at 26 months, you're still in a car seat, strapped in, and you can't get out. And uh, that would play a bigger role, I think, for those. Yeah, very likely. So it, it sounds like, though, we're talking mostly about hotter days. Uh, is it only in extreme heat uh, that we need to be concerned? And not at all, unfortunately. And that's the thing that I think perplexes people. Um, a lot of parents, when I talk to them, they're not surprised when, you know, it's 90 degrees outside. Yes, that could happen to my kid. Maybe 80 degrees. Yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. But when I tell them, no, as low as 70 degrees that's the first temperature of um, an incident this year that it happened at. I So many of the parents are just utterly shocked by that. And the truth is, if you go back, you'll see very low temperatures that this happens in. But a lot of people scratch their heads and they think, well, what if I crack the windows? Wouldn't that make it okay? But let me uh, tell you what the NSC did. They funded an experiment and they put a car out there, a couple cars. Um, and the reason they tried a couple cars is they wanted to see if the make of the car, the interior of the car had any effect on how it heated up. And one of the things that did come out of the study was uh, the interior of the car does play a role in how quickly it heats up, but they all heat up very hot. And so I would say the first thing you need to know is that they did this experiment when it was 75 degrees outside and the windows, all of them were cracked open a few inches. And what they found is that temperature inside that car at 10 minutes was 94 degrees. They came back at 20 minutes later and it was 104 degrees. And if you remember at the top of the show, I said that they know that cells can start breaking down at 104. That same car, they came back at 30 minutes and it was 109 degrees in that car. And we know if a child warms up three to five times faster than an adult, certainly we can say that at 109 degrees, that is fatal for a child. These statistics change quickly, though, with the temperature changes. So most of our summer days between Memorial Day and Labor Day are not at 75 degrees. They're much higher. When it's 86 degrees outside, that same car within 10 minutes becomes 104 degrees. And then within 20 minutes, it's 114 degrees. The numbers go up even quicker when it's 90 degrees outside, which a lot of our days have been around 90 degrees. Absolutely. And so within 10 minutes, they've showed that at 90 degrees, that car is fatal in 10 minutes. And I, I think about how many parents come home from grocery shopping and their child's asleep in the car and they're thinking, I'm just going to take my groceries inside and I'll come back out and get them because they're sleeping. I don't want to disturb them. No, don't do that. That's fatal. <laughs> never, never, never leave a child unattended in a car. Absolutely. So I'm a pretty technical guy. So I I tend to lean in this direction to solve most problems. And But my question is, is there any technology 
that can help with this. So there is some technology, but what I would caution your listeners is technology only offers one part of protection. And also we need to keep in mind that technology is only going to be as good as the user and as good as the solution that it was designed for. What does that mean? That means... Well, in 2017, GM, they did start putting rear seat reminders in some of their models, which is great. And then very quickly, most of the manufacturers out there decided, yes, this is a feature that we all need to have. So most car manufacturers are going to have some kind of car seat reminder by the year 2025. There are some car seats out there that do have some kind of reminder system. I believe Evenflow does. But here's the thing is it's really a behavior problem. And the best thing that could happen is if we all got in the habit of looking before we lock. Because some of these kids are not going to be in a car seat. A rear seat reminder, it's not going to help a situation where a child gained access to a car without an adult knowing. Right, right. So so technology can offer only one part. Do you have any other tips for our listeners? Yes, I do. You know, make it a habit to look before you lock your car every single time. And some other things that you can try to keep in mind is if you are driving a child, make sure that after you've gotten them in correctly and buckled in safely to the car, that maybe you put something that you need in the floorboard by their car seat. So that would be like a shoe, a cell phone, a purse, a backpack, something that you would have to physically get before you walked away from your car. That would help you remember to look in the car seat. Uh, let's say that you're in a situation where maybe it's not your typical day to take the child to a babysitter or a child care provider. And so what you could do is have a parent set an alarm on their computer or their phone to remind them to check, did the child get to the place they were supposed to be going? It's great if you can set something up with your babysitter or provider to actually call you if your child does not show up at intended time. Um, another thing to kind of keep in mind is uh, some people have tried to do a, a stuffed toy that's in the car seat and then they move it up to the front seat. I know that in my situation, my children, which you may have heard in the background, mm-hmm. <laughs> they would have fought to have that toy and that would not have stayed up in the front to remind me to look in the back. But my kids were loud. <laughs> The other thing I think that you need to remember to do is really watch out for any change in your routine. That's when the majority of these things happen is when there's been a distraction or a change in the routine. Consider using technology as it does become available. That's certainly something that we can all keep in mind. But the best thing really is to look before you lock. So, Kristen, you're a parent educator. Would you consider this mainly for parents? No, not really, because this can happen to anyone. Um, If you live next to kids, 
this could be a situation where a child unintentionally gets in your car. The campaign is actually for everyone. We want all people to look before they lock. In addition to this, we really need to make sure we are keeping our vehicles locked when we walk away. Yeah, and we, we should all be doing this anyways as as uh, preparedness-minded people. We should be locking our doors to keep out the bad guys, of course. Yeah, that's right. And we really should also be teaching our kids that from a very early age, I would say as soon as they can crawl around and stuff like that, go ahead and teach them where the horn is in the car. And that way, if they do get trapped inside, they know how to honk that horn to alert everyone that they are still on the car. But we really need to be teaching kids in general that you avoid playing in cars. They are not a a play place at all. Well, Kristen, these are all great tips on how to prevent these scenarios from occurring. Do you have any final items you think would help the audience? Yes. In almost all these cases, an adult got distracted. I would really caution if you are a person that is taking a child to a caregiver or to a care center and it's not in your routine that you would avoid being distracted. Don't take those phone calls. Just wait until after you've dropped the child off. And whether you're at a public place, a party, your own home, if a small child goes missing, the first thing that the National Safety Council advises people to do is to go check bodies of water. Any body of water that's close by that the child could have gained access to should be checked first. And then once it's determined that the child is not in a body of water, they need to go and check every vehicle within walking distance while they're calling the police for help. And lastly, always remember to look before you lock. Well, there you have it, folks. We really hope you've gained some knowledge after this show. I know I have. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Until next time, remember, with preparedness comes comfort, with preparedness comes peace, something we could all use a bit more of. This is Matt Marshall, signing off. (laughs) 